Woi woi, woi woi, woi woi. Then he then go on the radio again. Yo, if you wanna smoke free weed, go board yourself. You need to go plant a seed. Go board yourself, make your knowledge increase. Go board yourself, go board yourself. Hey, all right. Welcome to episode number 123 of Grow About Yourself. We got a great show in store for you guys. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit of news. Then we got a nice long interview with Steve D'Angelo, uh, an OG and a hero of the cannabis movement, uh, who's going to talk about his career and a lot of things, but including uh, some retreats that are now happening in Jamaica at the Rastafari Indigenous Village. And uh, we've got our cultivation segment, Strain of the Fortnite, a grow tip on CalMag, plus questions from you guys, all brought to you by Seeds Here Now, Sweet Leaf Nutrients, Excelsior, Extracts, Prime Superior Inoculant, and Purple Rose Supply, Canagar Mold Blunt Roller. Whether you're growing from seed or from clone, Prime Superior's simple, safe, and effective products can take your cultivation program to the next level. Prime Superior offers a two-step process that will benefit any garden. This is possible thanks to Prime Superior's proprietary strain of Bovaria bassiana, which is optimized for plants and sets up a symbiosis that increases terpenes, cannabinoids, and yield. Simply coat your seed to inoculate and aid rapid germination or dip your clone cutting with the world's first biological cloning honey and improve growth the way nature intended. Next, continue maintenance on your crop with foliar or fog applications of Prime Superior's Drench, which will boost your plant's growth and ensure a healthy harvest. Best of all, the Drench will work with already established gardens, so anyone at any stage of growth can achieve a cleaner crop with better yields. I gotta tell you, I use this stuff myself, not just on my cannabis, but on houseplants as well, and everything has greened up. Everything is super healthy, whether it's the seed coating product, the cloning honey, which is incredible. The drench is absolutely great. It comes in a spray bottle, uh, pre-mixed, so it's ready to be sprayed. This stuff is incredible. And I have literally noticed more cannabinoids and more terpenes. So it really is an amazing product. And now's the time to try Prime Superior and the world's first biological cloning honey. Grow Bud Yourself listeners can use the code PS420 for 15% off their entire order at primesuperior.com. So don't hesitate, inoculate, and visit primesuperior.com today to learn more. All right, welcome back. Uh, as always, thank you to DJ Jacques and Winstrong for the incredible tune. We are now 123 episodes strong. Uh, we are win strong, we're winning, and we're strong. <laughs> so uh, thank you to them, and thanks to you guys for listening. Uh, Mike, how are you? I'm doing well. Episode 123, exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's been a while since the last one, but uh, we've got a nice long one for you guys this week. And uh, yeah, fun times. Steve D'Angelo come, interview coming up and a whole cultivation segment. Uh, but first, I think we should talk a little bit about what's going on out there in the world of cannabis news. I think you're right. And, uh, you know, a lot has happened since our last uh, episode. But, you know, we're going to hit on the the bigger topics. And really, the biggest topic, I think, in cannabis right now is coming out of Ohio, of all places. And as we mentioned in our last episode, Ohio voters had the opportunity to legalize cannabis and establish a retail market on Election Day. And we're happy to report that issue two 
The measure that approves cannabis legalization has passed, and it makes Ohio the 24th state to approve adult-use cannabis. So with the new law, those 21 and older can purchase and possess up to 2.5 ounces of pot and 15 grams of concentrates. The measure also allows for cultivation of up to 6 plants per person or 12 pot plants per household. So that's exciting. And despite, yeah, man, and despite heavy criticism or opposition from prohibitionist groups and elected officials, including the governor, issue two passed with 56.97% of the vote, which is very much in line with polling prior to election day, which found that 57% of Ohio voters supported legalizing cannabis. The possession part of the legalization measure will take effect on December 7th, and the state now has nine months to establish rules to begin licensing adult-use retailers. The first licenses for the new market will go to qualified existing medical pot dispensaries. However, we should also mention that just because Ohio voters uh, want legalization and approved it on Election Day does not mean the state will actually legalize pot. Incredibly, despite passing with nearly 57% of the vote, the measure can still be modified or outright repealed by the state legislature if they simply choose to do so. In fact, state Senate President Matt Huffman has already threatened the legalization legislation, saying he would advocate for repealing things or changing things that are in it. And Governor Mike DeWine is already asking for changes to the measure that was approved at the polls. He wants those changes made before the possession aspect of the measure goes into effect on the 7th of December. Prior to Election Day, the GOP-controlled Senate even passed a resolution urging voters to oppose the measure, warning of the dangers of legal pot and calling cannabis (laughs) a a gateway drug. And yes, that is actually part of a Senate-approved resolution in the year 2023. So pretty incredible. All we could really do right now is just hope that elected officials decide to uphold the will of the voters, the same voters we should remind everyone that elected those representatives to office. Yeah, yeah, don't even get me started on this one. That's <laughs> just crazy that, you know, the will of the people could be subverted by politicians that they elected. Um, but again, you know, I've been hearing a lot of murmuring about how, you know, this is a corporate takeover of cannabis, this, that, and the other, the MSOs, that, you know, the point being people aren't going to jail. And if you really that, you know, uptight about it, grow your own. You have six per six per person, 12 per household. Doesn't sound like much, but if you grow bigger plants, you can never buy corporate weed or any weed again in your life. All you got to do is grow your own or have a friend that grows their own that you help out. Uh, whatever you want, you need to do, you know, extend the veg time, grow bigger plants. Um, but again, the, the important part is keeping people out of jail, uh, keeping cannabis convictions off of people's records, expunging the previous records, taking away the stigma and just changing state by state. I mean, this is the 24th, I believe state plus DC is 25, I guess, 24 and a half. But we're really reaching a tipping point here where there has to be a federal, uh, some type of federal answer to all of this, um, where all the states will be legal or they can choose whatever they want, but at least you can have interstate trafficking. um, And, you know, California weed could be sold uh, here on the East Coast legally and licensed. (laughs) And 
and people can put their money in the bank and records will be expunged, prisoners are released. All of those are good things. So if you happen, you know, if you have to jump through some hoops and there's taxes and there's big money interests and chads and all of this stuff that people complain about, none of that is worse than prohibition. So uh, if, and if you're longing for the good old days, you probably didn't get stung by prohibition too bad, but like the way some people did, because the people who really did get stung by it, they're happy about this. And they're, you know, perfectly happy to either jump through the hoops they need to jump through or never jump through a hoop again, grow your own and and not have to deal with it. So that's the way I see it. And I know there's people out there who disagree and I understand their point of view. Uh, but in the long run, this is a good thing. And as long as the politicians stick by what the word of the people was, um, you know, where it's a step in the right direction and uh, it's part of freeing this healing flower and getting um, the stigma taken away and legalization is a good thing. And I, I'm happy about it. And so congratulations, Ohio. Um, you have joined the other states in a sane and uh, important way. Absolutely. And it's a, it's one of those states that you wouldn't necessarily expect right away, but um, we're getting a lot of those with Virginia and Ohio. And um, yeah, it's great. Absolutely. All right. So from Ohio, let's let's talk a little health here. And uh, you could think whatever you want to about cannabis use disorder or CUD, which uh, some believe is a bit overblown by the media and prohibitionists with an agenda. But a new study found that the rates of CUD are significantly lower in states that have legalized adult use pot. In fact, the study states that CUD is 50% lower in legal cannabis states. This study, which is from Preventative Medicine Reports, examined four years of data from two legal states and two states that still prohibit pot. And while researchers anticipated seeing CUD rates rise with legalization, they actually found the number of diagnosed problematic marijuana use cases dropped significantly, by half to be specific. However, they're not sure why this happened. And so, as with most studies surrounding cannabis, it's left up to people to guess. And in this case, where researchers were expecting to find higher rates, their best guess is that legal pot states have become super lenient with cannabis, and they surmise that that tolerance leads doctors to becoming less likely to diagnose a patient with CUD. Ultimately, the study calls for additional research into its own findings. Uh, thousands of years of anecdotal research would indicate that cannabis is one of the world's safest substances. And uh, while we're talking about health-related news, we should also mention quickly that the National Institutes of Health plan to grant $2 million in funding to develop psychedelics into treatments for substance use disorder by 2025. And the grant will support research into substances like psilocybin, LSD, MDMA, ketamine, and uh, ibogaine to develop an effective treatment for addiction. For years, people have touted ibogaine as a near-miracle cure for opioid addiction. However, there was little interest in developing a drug as it came with no real financial benefit. Hopefully, this new grant will finally lead to a treatment that can combat addiction and help those suffering from substance use disorder. Absolutely. 100% agreed with that. Who was it? Was it a... Um, uh... David Peel? Dana Beal. Oh, <laughs> Dana Beal, right. David the Yippee Peel, leader, Dana, Dana Beal. Dana Beal, yeah. Who has touted that for, you know, years and years, decades. As I can remember, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's important. Uh, if, if Anything that helps people 
get off of hard drugs uh, and you know improve their lives and 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 all of that is a great thing. And so for to anyone out there who's in recovery or or not in recovery or has friends that should be in recovery, like you know definitely consider uh, ibogaine, ayahuasca, a lot of these healing plant medicines, which actually you know we're, we're going to be talking about with our our guest as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, it's important for people suffering through that to to have some kind of hope. So hopefully uh, at least that grant gets the research going and uh, something develops there. Uh, really quickly, let's just do one more here. And this one uh, relates to our first story, but it, uh, it, you know, takes into account what the president of the United States is thinking. So uh, with the news of Ohio legalizing pot, naturally, the president was asked about his own stance on legalization. Unfortunately, the question was a non-starter as the White House press secretary simply stated nothing has changed regarding Biden's stance on cannabis, insisting that the administration has been, quote, very clear. But have they? I mean, what exactly is Biden's current stance on legalization? Well, he does support individual states passing their own pot laws. However, he also has consistently opposed legalization at the federal level. But in 2022, Biden did ask for a review of how cannabis is scheduled in the CSA. Unfortunately, that review has largely been ignored by the FDA and the DEA. Supposedly, the DEA is finally carrying out the review and will make a final determination about scheduling. But does anyone in their right mind think the DEA is going to deschedule or even reschedule pot? It seems to me that this would be a good issue for Biden to jump on and soon as his sagging poll numbers indicate he could have a problem in November 2024. But pot, and perhaps only pot, could save him. Yeah, agreed with that as well. I mean, you know, he, he needs to not be so wishy-washy and just, uh, you know, take a stand and, and live with it. He did pardon some of the federal prisoners, not many, because there's not that many people federally for possession. But, uh, and, and it, you know, he kind of sent a message to the governors and and to to change the laws but he's still you know being very wishy-washy about it so i would certainly uh want to encourage him uh to use that as a way to get some of the youth vote and 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 stay as president if if that's what he wants but um it's really you know up to us like the voters of ohio the voters of all these states um to vote you know with your vote of course vote with your pocketbook and vote uh with your heart and soul for whatever you think is best. Remember, it's not, you're not voting for something perfect. You're voting for something better than the other thing, <laughs> you know? So they, <laughs> right. yeah, it's, it's, it's as simple as that. So I, you know, I make sure to vote every chance I can get. I just voted a few days ago here in New York, even though it was kind of very low turnout. I think with a low turnout, that's when your vote matters more. So uh, I'm all for voting. They call me Citizen Dan. So I'm out there. <laughs> you know, with the sticker on showing everyone how, you know, how important that is. Bring I bring my son to vote uh, just to make sure he knows how important it is. Uh, yeah, you can't really complain if you don't vote. So, I mean, I, I, that's how, the way I feel about it. So And we'd like to complain. So, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> you know, and I have my complaints with Biden, but of course, compared to the alternative, uh, yeah, we won't even get into that. But, right. you know. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's like they say, don't let uh, great be the enemy of good. Exactly. Uh, but that's a little look. Okay. <laughs> right, yes. 
Um, but that's a little look at what's going on in the world of of cannabis. But we have a very exciting interview this uh, this episode. Yeah, Steve D'Angelo. Uh, we actually had his brother Andrew on uh, last year, I believe, uh, to talk about some things. But Steve, ha- uh, I've wanted to get on for a long time. He's a, a certainly an OG of, of cannabis. He's been part of the movement uh, for a long time. He's been a businessman in the movement for a long time, uh, and he has written an incredible books and articles and just a very, very important uh, member of the Yippie Party and all of that. Um, And now he's going to also talk about um, these life as a ceremony retreats uh, in Jamaica at the Rastafari Indigenous Village, uh, where First Man and Queen I have created this incredible, wonderful place not far from uh, um, Montego Bay. Really a wonderful thing to talk about with him about, among many other things. Uh, but it's a village of elders where people can go and have uh, psychedelic experiences if they would like that is cannabis friendly because as uh, a surprise to me that not all of these psychedelic retreat spots are cannabis friendly, which is wild, but I found that out. Um, so we're going to talk to him about that. I, I'm I'm going to uh, not get too, too deep into it because we have a long conversation with Steve. And uh, why don't we take a break and come back with Steve D'Angelo? We'd like to tell you about our latest sponsor, Purple Rose Supply. Purple Rose Supply's Canagar molds give you the tools you need to smoke more and roll less. Spending time rolling multiple joints can take a long time, preventing you from doing what you actually love. The solution? More smoking, less rolling, with a cannabis cigar that burns longer. So how does it work? Weed is compressed into the mold with the skewer placed in the middle for airflow. Since the weed is tightly compressed, it leaves less space for air pockets in your roll, giving you a slower burn. Even with the smallest size Canagar mold that holds 1-2 to two grams, you're getting more out of your grams in a Canagar as opposed to a regular blunt since it burns way longer. And... Purple Rose Supply offers mold sizes all the way up to 10 to 14 grams for when you have a larger group of friends. If you're a grower, Canagars can also be a way to showcase the strains you grow and take your smoke experience to an entirely new level. Learn more at purplerosesupply.com, follow them on Instagram at purplerosesupply, and don't forget to use code GBY20 for 20% off your order. All right, everybody, welcome back. We have a very special guest for you guys, one of my heroes uh, in this community and in the industry. Uh, It's hard to even sum up uh, all of his amazing accomplishments, uh, but I will start by just saying he's been an activist uh, since the 70s, original member of the Yippies (laughs) and uh, founder of Harborside, which was really one of the first six uh, licensed and legal dispensaries in in the country, and and a model for how to run a dispensary and and how to do that, uh, what it should look like, uh, how they should interact with uh, their community and and all of that. So there's that. Then there's um, you know co-founding Steep Hill Labs, Arcview Group, uh, so many incredible things. The the Hemp Tour, the Cannabis Action Network, launching Americans for Safe Access. Uh, the passage of Prop 64, uh, Last Prisoner Project in 2019, which is an amazing organization, 
uh, and the Justice Foundation uh, in 2022. Um, welcome to the show, Mr. Steve D'Angelo. Thank you so much for having me, Danny. Great to be here. Yeah, well, I appreciate you taking the time. And like I said, you have such a long and storied uh, career in both activism and uh, entrepreneurial uh, pursuits with cannabis and plant medicines. Uh, and you're also the senior advisor to the Rasta in Rastafari Indigenous Village, uh, which we are also here to talk about uh, the Life is a Ceremony retreats uh, that are happening in Jamaica at the Rasta Village. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, how you got involved with that and, and what that's all about? Sure. Well, in 2019, I went on a global tour, uh, several different continents, many different countries uh, of emerging cannabis economies. And that took me to Jamaica. Uh, and I was at a cannabis conference that was a you know pretty standard corporate style cannabis conference. But in one corner of the hall, I saw these amazing murals, these Rastafari murals with all sorts of quotes from different Rastafari scholars and thinkers, Marcus Garvey. And I was immediately attracted to it. I wanted to see what was going on there because it seemed just like so real. And uh, then I went over and I met Auntie Arlene, who is one of the original founders of Rastafari Indigenous Village and, um, and had an opportunity to visit the village the, the next day. And um, it was really one of the most incredible experiences of my life. Um, by the time I was, uh, well, first just getting to the village, right? Um, at that time, in order to get to the village, you had to take off your shoes and wade across a river because a road had been washed out. And so there was this really magical moment of wading across the river into this community. And by the time I was halfway into the village, there were tears streaming down my face because I was walking through a place that looked like the world that I'd always dreamed that we would create. There were medicinal gardens with like a hundred different medicinal herbal plants there and healers and gardeners who knew all of the interactions and, and all of these plants a balm yard uh, where Queen I uh, would take those plants and turn them into tinctures, into balms, into lotions, into, into soap. Um, a, a drum making studio where uh, King Toto, um, uh, one of our ancients, uh, still preserves the old, old style of African uh, drum making where uh, the whole stump of the tree is chiseled out bit by bit by bit, just walking through this place, seeing um, elders in, in their late 70s and 80s and children um, uh, all uh, living a lifestyle informed by the lessons that the, that the sacred plants teach us. So it was um, an incredible introduction um, to, the, to an incredible place. Yeah, I mean, it sounds amazing. And it sounds like... Um something very necessary in these times. I think obviously there's so much going on in the world. And I think that, you know, these plant medicines, um, namely cannabis and of course, uh, psilocybin uh, and ayahuasca and iboga, which are all uh, implemented in the village uh, as part of these ceremonies in order to heal people individually and also to heal the world. And I think, 
you know, you you have such a storied career uh, in plant medicines and in the promotion of that. Can you just talk a little bit about how, you know, what what these medicines can do, how they can help people and uh, our planet? Well, um, you know, the potential of, 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 you know, what I call the sacred plant medicines. Um, uh, and, and in some cases there, you know, there's, there are also man-made substances that can fulfill the same kind of role is almost limitless. Um, you know, we, uh, hippies, my generation, uh, discovered these, these kinds of substances back in the sixties and seventies. And we didn't really have a container for understanding them. They they just sort of appeared, you know. When I was thirteen years old, a uh, a barrel of uh, a very strong barrel of uh, LSD dropped into my uh, dropped underneath my tongue, and I had this experience. But I was all alone. I wasn't around anybody. I didn't really, you know. There was no ceremony. There was no therapy. There was no conversation, and, and that was pretty much the story of my generation. We got these substances, but we, we were kind of like children walking through the woods um, without any parents, not really knowing what the path was. Well, now over the intervening decades that have happened, um, we have incredible research that's been done uh, by people like Roland Griffiths. Um, Roland just passed a few days ago, but he was a leading scientist at Johns Hopkins University. And uh, Roland uh, led a renaissance of psychedelic science where he started examining things like psilocybin and LSD and ayahuasca and uh, all of these other uh, substances and beginning to understand what their therapeutic potential was. And his lead was followed by scientists um, really all around the world. Um, and what we now know uh, by virtue of these studies that are coming out from, you know, institutions like Harvard University, is that there are very, very profound therapeutic effects that can be had with the visionary plants, with the visionary substances. Um, Harvard just released a study uh, talking about the effect of psilocybin on um, alcoholism. And I can't give you the exact statistic, but there is a very, very dramatic effect where people who had gone into treatment for alcohol, alcoholism many, many times unsuccessfully with one single psychedelic experience were able to make dramatic, dramatic improvements. Um, we've seen the same thing with depression, with suicidal ideation. Um, one of the things that's driving the new interest in, in psychedelic substances is the effect that it's had on combat vets. Uh, you know, we lose more combat vets to PTSD, to suicide related to PTSD than, than guys who are killed in battle, than guys and women who are killed in battle. And we've learned now that the psychedelic substances, a whole range of them, MDMA, um, uh, uh, psilocybin, ayahuasca, even cannabis, are powerfully, powerfully effective at uh, addressing that kind of traumatized psyche and getting folks into a balance where they still want to keep on living. So there's that potential of, of psychedelics, just the raw therapeutic potential. Um, and it's tremendous. But really, for me, that's just the beginning. Um, when I think about these substances and, you know, Mother Nature has been incredibly kind and generous. There's hundreds of 
visionary plants all around the world. There's almost no place around the world that you cannot find them in one substance or another. And in places where there may not be plants, you find things like psychedelic toad uh, uh, venom. So Mother Nature wanted us to have these medicines. And, and what they do basically is they take us out of our default mode network. Our default mode network is where our brain spends 99% of its time, right? Um, just figuring out what we need to figure out to get through the day. Where are my keys? Am I on schedule? Uh, do I take a left turn or a right turn? Um, uh, working through whatever your work assignment is. Um, that's the default mode network. And, um, and it's where we spend most of our time and where we need to. Uh, but when you take the visionary substances, uh, you step out of that default mode network. And you're able to look at it from a different perspective. And, and the way that I think about it is that, um, that, that the visionary substances allow us to step out of our day-to-day -day realities, what, what we are doing in action, and double check those actions with the innermost yearnings of our hearts. Uh, am I relating to the people in my life in the way that I really, really want to? Uh, how am I treating the people I love? Um, uh, what is happening to our planet? Um, what can I do about it? Um, what am I eating? And, and, and what are the consequences of, of what I'm eating? Um, uh, and, uh, and I think that that's really the incredible value of these substances, that they allow us human beings who have these incredible minds are so incredible and so powerful that now we're at a place in human history where we could destroy the whole planet, right? If we're not careful, we could destroy the planet with our cleverness. These substances reconnect us to our hearts and give us the potential for course corrections so that we, that we don't do really stupid, evil things. Absolutely. Uh, and so much is said about set and setting uh, and your intention when you're taking these substances uh, and I think, uh, you know, that that plays an enormous role. And, and another reason why a place like the Indigenous Village uh, and being with Rastafari elders uh, can sort of help and aid in understanding that, 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 that there's other ways possible. There's other another way to live. There's an, uh, a healthier uh, mm -hmm. approach that you can take to wellness, uh, both personal and experience, you know, experiences of a group. Um, you're also the author of the Cannabis Manifesto. Um, that's a book that had a profound effect on me, uh, just in understanding, you, you know, this plant and the stigma that's been placed upon it and uh, the healing benefits of it. Uh, you've been at the forefront of this for many, many decades. Uh, and also, you were one of the first sort of to transition from you know, the legacy from the underground uh, into the licensed legal framework, uh, first in California and beyond. But can you can you talk a little bit about that transition and maybe give some advice to people who, who are on the fence, maybe people who are still sort of in that legacy underground world and, and wondering um, whether they should or, or should not sort of come out of that and, and, and enter into uh, the legal framework and licensed, uh, taxed and overregulated and all of that uh, industry. 
Well, that's a big question. Um, uh, and I have a lot of really mixed feelings about it. Um, you know, uh, the transition in a word has been brutal, just brutal. I received one of the first six licenses, uh, legal licenses for cannabis commerce in the United States and uh, and was heavily involved in the passage of Prop 64 in 2016 in, in California. Um, the way I look at it now is that uh, that we sacrificed California to save the world. Uh, the the reason I say that the transition was brutal uh, was because um, the effect of legalization in California has been to squeeze out almost all of the pioneers who built the cannabis industry, almost all of the activists who sacrificed to make it legal. And there's been an almost complete takeover of the industry by folks who come from corporate backgrounds who don't have any particular affinity for the plant. And because of overtaxation and overregulation, uh, the weed in dispensaries and legal dispensaries in California costs twice as much and is about half the quality of the cannabis that you can find, you know, from your next door neighbors on either side of you. Uh, there's a lot of really great weed in California and, and it's quite inexpensive, but you don't find it in the legal dispensaries. Uh, and so that's really been a, um, a tragedy. Um, uh, because a lot of the most talented people who really understand this plant and really could drive the industry forward now have, instead of giving their talents towards building a legal industry, have been forced to return to the unregulated traditional legacy market. And um, so that's the, the brutal part of it. Uh, if you, you know, go up into the, the Emerald Triangle now, you see a great deal of economic distress. Uh, you see a lot of folks um, in California who worked really hard to get legal licenses, just giving them up. Um, since uh, 2022, the beginning of 2022, 20% of California's licensed cannabis growers voluntarily relinquished their licenses because they couldn't make it in the legal system. They're all probably still growing weed, but they couldn't make it in the in the legal system because it's been so misregulated and so overtaxed. Um, so that's the 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 brutal part of it, uh, the really sad part of it. The great part of it is that once we legalized in California, that sent a signal out literally to the whole world. And, and, and that signal was strong and it was heard and it has had profound consequences. So one of the first things that started happening is that the legislatures started passing cannabis legalization, places like Illinois, places like New York. Before New York and Illinois were passing cannabis laws, legalization by legislation in their legislatures, we had to pass these laws by initiatives, by voter initiatives. And, and, and it was very, very expensive and very, very difficult. And really, literally for decades, our, our movement uh, had to work to do that because we could not persuade a legislature to actually enact a cannabis legalization law. And it was the victory in California that persuaded politicians all across the United States that it was now safe to advocate for the legalization of cannabis. 
so that's that's one great thing that that happened um now you go to places like illinois and new york uh you know you walk down the street in new york now and any place that you smoke a cigarette that you can legally smoke a cigarette you can legally smoke a joint and that sense of freedom is just such a beautiful incredible thing um, I was uh, in the um, couple of years ago in the in the May Fourth uh, Freedom Parade, and I got to walk down the, the Fifth Avenue, smoking this great big spliff. And on either side of me, uh, I had NYPD guys on motorcycles, and and they couldn't do a thing about it because what I was doing was a hundred percent legal. Um, uh, you uh, go around the world now. You go to places like Jamaica. Um, you know, when I was going to Jamaica in the 80s and 90s, uh, every time you went around a curve, it seemed like there was a roadblock by this uh, really corrupt organization of thugs called the Jamaica Defense Force. And they would have these red berets and military uniforms. And, uh, and you know, from one end of the island, you would get have to go through three or four of these checkpoints. And they were intense. Um, and we did manage to find ways to get weed through the checkpoints, but it was scary, right? And 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 there were times that it didn't work, and and where you had to pay those guys money and not a small amount of money to to get out of the the trouble. Well, that doesn't happen anymore. You go from one end of Jamaica to the other. There's not one roadblock of somebody shaking you down uh, for weed. Um, I I roll with my Rastafari friends. And we're smoking spliff uh, in the cars and nobody's worrying about it. A complete and total change. You go to Thailand, um, which used to have really, really draconian anti-cannabis laws. A lot of people suffered seriously because of it. Not only is cannabis legal there, but the king of Thailand reportedly distributed 7 million cannabis seedlings free to small farmers. So they could start growing cannabis and, and, and be a part of what's what's going on there. So um, and now Germany, um, you know, one of the most conservative countries and one of the most conservative places in the world is now moving towards legalizing cannabis. So all around the world, uh, we have um, sparked this wave of of freedom all around the world people who used to get busted are not getting busted and in some places some places people who have unjustly been in prison on cannabis charges are finally beginning to come home so my feelings are mixed about the transition it, it is simultaneously a triumph uh, and a tragedy right right i mean uh we've come a long way but there's so much further to go and and to that point, uh, there you mentioned that there are still thousands of, of peaceful, nonviolent uh, people locked up uh, for cannabis offenses. Uh, you founded the Last Prisoner Project. Can you tell me a bit about what uh, that entity does uh, to help free those prisoners? Yeah, I mean, the purpose of the Last Prisoner Project is very simple. We want to free every single cannabis prisoner on planet Earth. Uh, that's the job. Um, the, there's lots of different ways that, that you do that. Um, one of the ways that we've been most effective is by working with governors in states who have legalized cannabis to give clemency to prisoners who are still serving cannabis sentences in those states. 
Um, so that's been that has been probably the single most effective thing that we've been able to do. We've also been able to win a limited number of presidential pardons. So on uh, on uh, President Trump's last day in office, he pardoned several cannabis prisoners, including people who were doing uh, life without parole in federal prison. Um, uh, some of the work of LPP now is is working to make sure that as other states legalize cannabis, that the release of cannabis prisoners is is automatic, which is what you would think, right? Um, um, you would think that when society decides that something is no longer criminal, that the people who are being punished for the thing that's not criminal anymore would just be released. But that's not what's happened. Um, unfortunately, there's still about 40,000 cannabis prisoners in the United States of America alone, uh, about 8,000 of them in the federal system. And, and while we're on this topic, I just have to point out that um, President Biden, who has repeatedly promised to release all cannabis prisoners, this was, he first did it in a, in a nationally televised debate during the primary, the last primary cycle, where he said that he would, he, all cannabis prisoners should be released, every single one of them. He didn't qualify it by saying cannabis users, or he said all cannabis prisoners should be released. There's 8,000 of them in the federal system. Every single one of them could be released with the stroke of a pen by President Biden. And yet, I think to date in his entire presidency, he's only released five cannabis prisoners. Uh, so, um, you know, my message to people who uh, care about cannabis uh, is uh, to look at uh, President Biden's actions very, very carefully. Uh, he talks a lot about freeing cannabis prisoners. He doesn't do anything. Hmm. Yes, indeed. Um, you also, uh, I believe, helped out with uh, the transition from for the prisoners after they've been released uh, in order to help them get on their feet, uh, find uh, even maybe a job in the cannabis industry. In some cases, uh, states don't allow uh, people who are convicted of cannabis offenses into the industry, which is strange. Um, let's talk about uh, the uh, Justice Foundation uh, and what uh, what you do with that uh, organization? Yeah, well, you know, my my role in life is to be a pioneer. Um, uh, I'm really good at, at 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 you know taking on the the new things. I really enjoy taking on the new things, the stuff that's never been done before, and and setting them up and building them um, and giving them a mission and a little bit of a push, and and then letting other folks run with that run with that ball and and then keep on keep on moving to the front lines. I like being on the front lines of the struggle. So once we had the last prisoner project set up and 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 it it's you know it's a very successful organization with a large staff. It's accomplishing things. It's well funded. Um, we started talking to, to prisoners and a, and a lot of the, the released prisoners uh, really wanted to be able to participate in the industry. And I know because I spent you know half of my career, more than half of my career in the in the legacy underground cannabis market, that most of us wanted to be able to do what we did then legally. Um, and uh, and yet, as legalization has unfolded, the way that regulations, the way that licensing have has come together, 
has made it very, very difficult and in some cases impossible for people from the legacy community to be able to get into the legal industry. In some cases, there's actually legislation that says that if you if you have a cannabis offense conviction, you can't be in the legal industry. Um, and uh, but even for folks who don't have convictions, um, understanding how to engage with the legal regulatory system, raising the capital to be able to do that effectively, um, being able to translate the skills that you've learned in the underground market to being effective in the above ground market are all really challenging things. And so in 2022, uh, I uh, founded a new organization, the Justice Foundation, J-U-S-T-U-S, Justice Foundation, um, to assist uh, legacy operators to enter the, the legal market and to try to uh, persuade regulators to enact licensing programs that are going to make it more possible for legacy operators to, to enter the market. Absolutely. Uh, now, getting back to these uh, life as a ceremony retreats, I want to uh, just explain to people uh, that for the price of a regular vacation or you know tourist trip uh, where you would go to a place like Jamaica, but really sort of uh, much more uh, clinical experience of going to a resort, uh, really not meeting people, uh, indigenous people, uh, really not even immersing yourself at all in the culture, but basically just going to, to a beach vacation. Uh, for that same price, you can actually go to and have an experience where you're immersed in the culture, in uh, the Rastafari uh, indigenous village. Uh, you're not a tourist. You're, you're not someone there just to profit from you're basically a pilgrim on a journey and learning from these plant medicines and having these experiences. And honestly, it's priceless, the experience that you get. And it's not something uh, in the past you would have had to ha know people and, and really uh, be trusted and, and actually, you know, to have e to even be allowed into this type of experience. So it really is very uh, interesting. And if people want to learn more about it, uh, they can check out rastavillage.com uh, to learn about it and see, you know, what the different uh, retreats are and and prices and all of that. Uh, but I do want to just emphasize that this is like a once in a lifetime experience that you can have uh, for a reasonable uh, price, and you know, really immerse yourself and and change and a have a life changing experience. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about uh, the other founders and uh, people? I know you mentioned uh, Queen Eye and First Man. Can you tell me a little bit about uh, them and 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 their role in the uh, the retreats? Sure. I mean, the village is just um, uh, populated by um, uh, an array uh, of really talented Rastafari artisans who have deep skills in a whole variety of cultural areas. So um, one of the original founders of the village and, and, and the person who's probably best known on uh, speaking on behalf of the village is Firstman, 
Uh, First Mun um, is a, he's been a activist um, who's been dedicated to preserving Rastafari culture and working for the legalization of cannabis for his whole life. Um, he uh, is a um, storyteller. He is an orator. He is an incredible uh, singer, chanter, drummer. Uh, but really, uh, where uh, First Mun, I think, uh, shines the most brightly is just his ability to um, talk to folks about Rastafari way of life, Rastafari liberty, uh, Rastafari culture, and, and make it understandable uh, for, for people. Um, uh, Queen Eye is... Um, Queen Eye, for me, when I, I hear Queen Eye speak, it's almost like the voice of Mother Nature speaking. Uh, Queen is a healer. She is an herbalist. Uh, she knows the healing properties and how to prepare all of the herbal plants that are, that are in the garden. She's a Reiki master. She heals with the elements of the, of the earth and uh, is just this um, uh, wise, gentle, uh, powerfully feminine uh, presence at the, at the village. Um, she has a balm yard. So one of the things that folks can do when they come to the village is walk through the garden with Queen Eye. She can point out and teach about all of the plants, uh, where they came from, uh, what they do. Uh, folks can uh, help pick those plants for whatever it is that's going on with them. We all have different things going on. Go back to Queen's Balm Yard and then prepare those plants into tinctures, into lotions, into soaps, into shampoos. So that's one of the experiences that's, that's available. Uh, there's a drum making studio where uh, King Toto uh, uh, preserves drum making techniques uh, that have been passed down generation to generation uh, from Africa. And so folks can go and, and actually watch and learn and participate in that, in that drum making and then uh, learn about this very distinct style of, of drumming that happens uh, at, the, at the village. Um, this beautiful river um, runs through the village runs alongside the village, the Montego Valley uh, River. If you go to the Rasta, rastavillage.com website, you can see a, a bunch of photos and videos of, of, that, of that river. And uh, one of the things that we do is, is walking down to the river in the morning, you pass by these incredible trees, 100, 150 feet tall, mango trees, avocado trees, aki trees, and, and you can forage your food and pick these, these fruits. And sometimes when the, when the fruits are bearing, there's just, there's just like, there's so many of them, they're falling off on the ground. And in the time that it takes to walk to the river and back, you can collect enough of these beautiful uh, plants to feed yourself, to feed, you know, sometimes the whole village. Um, uh, and, uh, another one of the, the, uh, really beautiful parts of the, of the life as a ceremony experience is then, uh, taking these foods, um, the, some of the foods that we forage, uh, we also have a regenerative cannabis and, um, and food garden, 
um, and uh, where all of the plants live in relationship with each other, like not in rows like soldiers, but they're hanging out in little groups where different plants do different things uh, for, for each other. And so folks can, can take the food that's been foraged, that's been harvested from the garden to our ITAL kitchen, a plant-based kitchen, and learn all the traditional Rastafari ways of preparing these foods over an open fire. Um, so, you know, one of the reasons we call it life as a ceremony retreats is because unlike a lot of retreats where, you know, you've, you've got these programs that you're doing and there's a, a lot of psychological exploration, um, the essence of, of our retreat is being immersed in a village that already lives by the lessons that the visionary plants teach us. And, uh, and so uh, just being there, just uh, seeing that way of life and participating in that way of life. It's very unique. You know, when you look at a lot of the retreats that are happening in Jamaica, they, they tend to be quite expensive. Ours are not. Ours are very affordable. Um, they usually happen in resorts um, that are, you know, they're beautiful places, but they're, they're not really connected to Jamaica. It's just like a resort that you would see anywhere. And frequently the staff and the resorts, they don't really understand what's going on with, with the ceremony. They haven't really been brought into it and been involved in it um, and have any kind of input uh, into it. So the, when you come to Rastafari Indigenous Village, it's, it's a total immersion in, in Rastafari and, and, and Jamaican culture. So it's very uh, different from that point of view. Uh, another difference is that a, a lot of the um, other retreats, uh, cannabis is not really very much a part of what's of what's going on. Um, uh, it's it's very strange to me, coming from my background. Um, but in a lot of parts of the psychedelic community, cannabis is actually quite stigmatized and looked down upon. And there are are many psychedelic retreats where you're not allowed to consume cannabis. Uh, and for me, it's like. I mean, every time in my life that I've eaten a mushroom, I've smoked a joint too, you know, <laughs> um, hard for me to imagine that they don't go together. And um, one of the really beautiful things about the village experience is, is that it's, it's this very natural thing. Um, about 10 years ago, uh, a group of Amazonian medicine people came to Jamaica to do an ayahuasca ceremony. And they were looking for a place to do the ceremony. They heard about the village because they saw the name indigenous. So they came to the village and up until then, the only visionary plants that Rastafari indigenous village had used was cannabis. Um, but the folks from the Amazon showed up with ayahuasca and, and several other visionary plants. And that was the first time that the village experienced those medicines. And there was this very, you know, intuitive um, embrace, uh, immediate embrace of them. And so the village became, excuse me, became the first uh, Rastafari community to incorporate um, the, the other um, uh, sacred plants into their spiritual practice. And so for several years, they really just sat with the medicine uh, did their own ceremonies um, and started incorporating the lessons that they were learning into into ceremony, into stories, into reasonings, into chants, into rhythms, 
into songs, into lyrics. And so now uh, there's this really incredible ceremonial style that they have, um, which is very special because, you know, a lot of folks now are going to places like Peru and to the Amazon and having the ayahuasca experiences. And a key part of those experiences are songs, are music, like it's always been with psychedelics. But and and they're called Icaros um, in, in the Amazon. Um, and they're very special songs and they're very beautiful songs, but they're not in English. You cannot understand the lyrics. You don't really understand what people are singing about. So one of the really amazing things about the village ceremonies is that they're in English. Uh, you can actually understand the the what the lyrics of, of, of the music are. And they're very beautiful and very profound. And so it's a it's, it's a very accessible kind of ceremonial experience, I think, um, relative to, to some of the other things that are going on around the world. Absolutely. And uh, I know we've only barely scratched the surface. I want to thank you so much uh, for your time, Steve. Uh, I want to thank you for your pioneering accomplishments. I want to thank you for your fearlessness in the face of these, you know, federal authorities, state authorities, law enforcement, all of the uh, the Babylon shitstem, <laughs> you know, situations that are out there. Uh, you have changed the world, and I want to give you your flowers, your cannabis flowers, uh, and and just let you know that, uh, you know, it's it's incredible uh, what you have accomplished on behalf of the cannabis plant and these other healing plant medicines. Uh, and how can people find out more about uh, about you, about the retreat and keep up with what's going on uh, online or on social media? Um, what's the best ways? So you can find me on Instagram at steve.deangelo. That's a D-E-A-N-G-E-L-O. Um, you can find me on my website, stevedangelo.com. Uh, Rastafari Village is rastavillage.com or RIV Retreats on Instagram. Uh, those are really the best ways to, to stay in touch with us. Well, thank you so much uh, for being on the show and uh, taking the time to speak with us about the retreats and about your uh, illustrious uh, and amazing career and uh, life of uh, helping to end the stigma, heal people, free the flower, free the prisoners, and make a change for the better on this planet. Well, thank you, brother. Thank you for that kind appreciation. You know, that's, uh, we spent an awful lot of years being laughed at or being ignored or being chased. And so getting those kind words of appreciation uh, heal some of those layers of, of grief and trauma. And I appreciate it very much. Thank you. Be well. Thank you. Thank you. We will be back uh, after these messages. All right, all you cannabis connoisseurs out there, we have a special announcement for you. SeedsHereNow.com is elevating October with deals that'll make your buds burst with joy. Autumn is here, and we're celebrating the harvest season with tons of incredible deals. Place an order this month, and Seeds Here Now's got you. For the month of October, 
every order secures a free SJO OG. That's a FEM uh, one pack. And that's a garden game changer right there. Plus, enjoy 20% off on all iReGenetics seeds and grape-flavored strains all month long. And if you're tired of domestic shipping costs eating away at your grow budget, we've got you covered again. Simply use the code DANKOSHIP, that's D-A-N-K-O-S-H-I-P, and you'll get free shipping with your order at SeedsHereNow.com, domestic shipping. Don't miss Seeds Here Now's pre-Halloween bash, October 24th, Halloween special, October 31st, and new strain reviews every day this month during our Croptober Chronicles series. So head over to SeedsHereNow.com, enter Danko Ship, and let your garden flourish in style. Keep it green, nurture those dreams, and remember, with the right seeds and knowledge, you're always in for a bountiful harvest. All right, welcome back, and uh, thank you to Steve D'Angelo uh, for that informative and uh, lengthy interview, but also uh, great to hear from him, and thank you to him for taking the time out to uh, tell us all about it, and uh, truly appreciate him as one of the real OGs uh, of the movement, of uh, of everything, the, the, the movement to free this amazing flower, so thanks to Steve, and definitely check out that amazing... Uh, space in Jamaica because that just looks like a wonderful retreat uh and not so much a uh, a vacation as really just a, a an amazing thing to feel and and be part of so thank you to him uh we are now moving on into the cultivation segment and it has certainly <laughs> been a fortnight <laughs> and yes this is a fortnight and yes this is a fortnight strain of the fortnight what you yeah. got for us? Uh, what do you got for us this week? Strain of the fortnight. <laughs> Strain of the fortnight. That was it. That's the song. That's what we've been waiting for. And it's just, of course Strain of the fortnight time. So Dan, what do you have for us this extra long fortnight? Yeah. So uh, I have the Flow Star. This is a strain from DJ Short. Uh, who has been on the show and is uh, certainly uh, an amazing breeder known for blueberry and flow, which is one of the the parents of Flow Star and and many other amazing strains. Um, this is actually running as a special at seedsherenow.com. Uh, so you can check that out and get the free shipping with our code. It's only $60 right now for a six pack of feminized seeds. Um, the Flow Star, it's a cross of flow and blue star. Um, flow just being spelled F-L-O, um, famously by uh, DJ Short, a great strain. And it's probably been a strain of the Fortnite in the past. Have to go back and check, but I'm sure it has because it's an amazing uh, strain. And he, what he's done is he's crossed that flow um, with Blue Star, which is uh, Death Star crossed with Whitaker Blues. And um, it's, a, it's a hybrid. Uh, some would say sativa dominant, although it does have a fairly short flowering time of only uh, 56 to 66 or so days. Um, I would call it more of like a balanced hybrid, really. It's got that uh, clear mind and enhanced focus, but also uh, just an incredible effect. Uh, what it says on the Seeds Here Now site is it's a delightful dance of flavors. And I think that's uh, a wonderful way to put it because um, it's got that earthy floral undertone 
uh, but certainly some sweetness from that blue star. Uh, so really a wonderful strain. And like I said, on sale right now at uh, seedsherenow.com. Um, so certainly check them out. Use our code to get the free shipping. And uh, yeah, 56 to 66 days, um, sativa dominant. Uh, as far as, you know, aroma and uh, flavor, the terpene profile is very interesting. Spicy, citrusy, and a, a bit of uh, wood, sandalwood kind of from the spicy side. Um, very soothing and tranquil experience. So really nice uh, at the end of the day. Just another premium cannabis strain from DJ Short, who, like I said, is just a legend in the breeding world. So the Flow Star is the strain of the Fortnite, and uh, hope you guys will check that out on on uh, seedsherenow.com. Yeah, uh, and just to just to double down on what Dan was explaining at Seeds Here Now, which is our sponsor, one of our sponsors, but uh, they're doing um, that that sale. It's twenty five percent off on all DJ Short seeds, including the Flow Star, and you also get a free pack of Frosty Blue OG Feminized seeds. So, and you could get the shipping for free with our code. So definitely, that that's a good deal. Absolutely. Normally, uh, these six packs are 80 bucks or more. Um, they're down to 60 with free shipping and a free pack of seeds. So that's just quite a deal here in the month of November. And I hope you guys will uh, take advantage. Uh, moving on, we also have our growing topic. Um, and of course, uh, this is one that, you know, for the ages, I'm not going to go too deep in it, but we're going to talk about CalMag right now. Um, and a lot of people joke because, you know, they online, of course, when they look at your plants and you post a photo, the solution always seems to be CalMag. And what's funny is in many ways, sometimes the solution is CalMag because plants certainly need this. And I know people say, you know, there's those um, macronutrients, nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium, and those are important, but I would consider uh, calcium and magnesium and even uh, sulfur to be not necessarily micronutrients, but actually secondary macronutrients, uh, meaning they're not quite as necessary uh, in as large amounts as nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium, but they got to be there for the plants to grow and thrive. So, um, you know, think of them as very important. Uh, and usually you've got your NPK covered with most uh mediums and 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 nutrient blends calcium and magnesium are a little bit tougher calcium for one is immobile uh it's an immobile nutrient magnesium is a mobile nutrient so that's important uh to understand magnesium very important uh for photosynthesis it really uh is a major part of the chlorophyll molecule so um super duper important for growth in general and that that counts for uh, vegetative growth and flowering growth, cell division, um, protein synthesis, enzyme activation, and phosphate metabolism. Um, that's all coming from magnesium. So that's very important. And of course, calcium as well. And they usually sort of travel together. Um, most of the time, uh, the products are that you would need for this situation would be uh, both together. In most cases, they're called CalMag. Um, so if you feel like you have that deficiency, it's not nitrogen, phosphorus, or potassium, and it's more of a CalMag thing, um, certainly get yourself some calcium and magnesium. Um, the bond is strong. So, you know, that's really what you need. You don't want to overdo it, uh, certainly, but you definitely want to have um, 
some of that. And if you spot the deficiencies, a lot of times it looks like, uh, you know, uh, plants have spots. It starts with yellow spots or brown spots, um, which basically spread and leaves eventually get like crispy and start dying. So uh, it's important to diagnose and treat any kind of CalMag deficiency in veg or flower. And uh, certainly, you know, you want to have CalMag as part of your nutrient regimen, uh, even if you have your, you know, grow base and, uh, you know, your your flowering base and your uh, micronutrients, because uh, the plants eat it up. So get some CalMag and uh, that'll fix a lot of deficiencies. Always check your pH first because, uh, you know, pH lockout also looks like it could be uh, a CalMag deficiency. So check your pH. If your pH is in order, um, the problem could be CalMag. So get yourself some CalMag and apply it to the plants. Uh, don't always run for the CalMag, but uh, in many cases, you're going to need it. So give it a shot. There you go. Yeah. All right. Let's hear it for CalMag. More CalMag. Um <laughs> Now we've reached, uh, of course, our favorite part of the show where we uh, answer our listeners' grow questions. So um, if you have a question that you would like answered on the show, you have to get in touch with us. The email is info at growbudyourself.com. What do you say we jump right in? Let's do it. All right, excellent. Uh, let's start with Buggin' and Butte. Uh, who writes, a friend of mine told me that having a praying mantis in the grow room can help kill harmful bugs. Is this true? What do you think, Dan? Yeah, um, this is a good one. Uh, and certainly uh, praying mantises or mantids are great to have in the garden, particularly um, outdoors, a little more sketchy inside because they're so big. Uh, and they're a little creepy, to be honest, uh, but they do love to eat a lot of the insects that plague our gardens. Uh, and they're certainly a protector. You know, they can walk around the plants and just basically eat anything um, and a great organic alternative to chemical pesticides. So they love, you know, uh, aphids, spider mites. They eat the eggs. Uh, they eat white flies even. Um, and so they're good to have in the garden. It's just you have to be careful a little bit when you purchase them. Um, you get the eggs online. Uh, they come delivered as pods and they can contain up to 150 or more babies. Um, and so they'll hatch in warm weather or in your warm grow room. So if you got them outside, um, just hang that little pod um, off of a lower branch of your plants. And pretty soon you'll see uh, they will start crawling out and they'll be tiny at first and they'll start eating the bugs and they'll get bigger and bigger. Um, once they've eaten enough uh, uh, bugs, they're going to want more food. So either you need to feed them more bugs or send them on their way outdoors. Um, they're just going to find other places to go. Um, but they're certainly good to have around. Um, I think of them really as like a, a, a solid protector of your plants. And uh, yeah, it's fun to watch them eat too, because, uh, you know, there are a lot of times with predatory insects they're they're tiny they're little nematodes or they're little you know very very almost microscopic bugs and you don't really get to have the pleasure um that you do with like a ladybug or a praying mantis where you can actually watch them eat the bugs that have been plaguing you so i would definitely recommend praying mantises just keep in mind um you know they're eventually gonna try to leave and if they're indoors especially in like a sealed room uh that might be an issue for you so uh, yeah, good luck. It's certainly way better than using any kind of uh, 
harmful chemical pesticides or sprays. Yeah, and you're definitely a fan of seeing uh, the hero bugs destroy the uh, the evil bugs. So. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right, thank you. Uh, let's move on to CG, who writes, uh, Hey guys, I'm a beginner grower, and I stupidly put two plants too close together in a mid-size pot. I knew it was time to transfer them to a larger pot, and when I did, the roots were tangled. I tried to untangle them without harming them, but I just it just couldn't be done. I knew if I kept on messing with them, I would make them really sick. They are now slightly in shock, but they don't seem to be goners yet. Anyway, is it okay that the roots are tangled? Also, what can I do to bring them back up to health? Appreciate your time. So, yeah, what would you say here to CG? Yeah, you know, this seems to happen a lot. Uh, people will plant two or three seeds in the same container, and then they'll let those plants grow together. Uh, and if you don't call them out early, I mean, one thing I would recommend is if you do plant multiple plants in one container, um, that you pull them out once they've started growing and and you have a, a window of a week or so before they really start to get tangled, where it's just a taproot and you can pull that out and make it its own separate plant without doing a lot of damage. And once they do start growing, they're going to compete, first of all, for nutrients in your medium um, and for light because they're so close together. Uh, so that's going to be a little bit of a problem uh, and separating them is going to be a little more difficult, uh, but I still recommend separating them. So you did do the right thing. And I would say you just want to be very gentle. Uh, it's obviously going to stress them out when you're untangling roots that are uh, that have grown together. So uh, you know that stress is important to alleviate and try to keep as little as possible. Um, as far as what you can do uh, to bring them back up to health, uh, separate them, put them in their own container, uh, give them some TLC, you know, nice mild nutrient solution, uh, let them get adapted into their new container. And within a week or so, you should see them bounce back and uh, take over that container on their own and be their own happy, healthy plant separated from each other. And that way you can also move them around. You can grow them a little bigger. Um, when they're in the same container, they're competing for light and food and and places for the roots to go. So it's it's always better to have them separate. And uh, I highly recommend it. And I hope your plants bounce back. Absolutely. Good luck to CG. And uh, let's take one more here. Uh, this is from James. And he writes, hello, Danny and Mike. I'm curious about legal home grow. Uh, when you have recreational home grow, are you allowed to sell to friends or whoever? I'm asking because I never hear anything about this topic. So, yeah, that is a good question. More states are going legal and uh, and some of them allow for home cultivation. So what would you say here to James? Yeah, I mean, I think in most cases and in, in every case that I, I can think of, you're technically not allowed to sell uh, any of your home grow uh, for any kind of profit. Now, that doesn't mean you can't give it away. Uh, I don't think there's any rules against that. For the most part, I don't can't think of any states where where you're not allowed to give away some of your home grow or maybe donate it, um, even potentially trade. I, that I'm not sure about, but I certainly, uh, you know, wouldn't want to steer you wrong in an illegal manner. At the same time, you know, if you've got 15 jars of one particular strain and your buddy has, uh, you know, 10 jars of another switching jars with them i don't think there's any technical rules about that and i think it's a wonderful way 
um, to spread the wealth and share in the variety and without, you know, having to have any kind of financial transaction. But the minute you start putting a label on it and selling it, you're going to, you're involved in commerce, you're going to get taxed, you don't have a license to do that. Um, so I don't believe that that's legal. So uh, I like the idea of a farmer's market where people are sort of doing things in trade or there's a donation of some kind or you buy a t-shirt and you get, you know, some flour as, you know, a donation, something along those lines. I don't know. Again, I'm not a lawyer, so <laughs> don't take this as uh, official legal advice, but uh, growing your own is a wonderful thing to do. And uh, if there's a little bit extra left over, you know, there's always fun things to do, making uh, edibles, making topicals, making concentrates, and, uh, you know, just drying and curing properly so that, that that can be stored for a long period of time and you can enjoy it uh, a year or two from now and still have a wonderful experience. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, just off the top of uh, my head, gifting has been outlawed in some states, I think Connecticut, maybe even New York, and that's where you, um, you know, you give cannabis away for like a, a uh, and you know you buy a t-shirt and you get cannabis with it but um really every state has its own set of rules so it's best if you just research where you would be doing this uh because as dan mentioned um we give you an overview but we don't want to give you any bad advice that gets you in trouble absolutely all right. Well, uh, that is going to do it for our uh, grow segment. Uh, of course, if you have a question that you would like answered on the show, get in touch with us. The email is info at growbudyourself.com. And of course, you can get us on the socials over on YouTube and of course on our Patreon page. So uh, what do you say we take a short break, come back and wrap this up? Sounds good. Let's do it. If you're a grower or you're thinking about starting your first crop, then you need to know about Sweet Leaf Plant Nutrients. Sweet Leaf has an incredible line of organic fertilizers and, of course, their legacy line that includes organic and some synthetic fertilizers. Check them out at sweetleaf.com. That's S-U-I-T-E-L-E-A-F.com. The code DANKO15 gets you 15% off everything at Sweetleaf. That's 15% off their signature line of nutrients as well as essentials like complete indoor hydroponic grow tent kits and grow lights, plus awesome apparel, backpacks, and much more. If you join our Patreon, you'll get access to additional codes worth 20 and even 25% off. Patreon supporters also receive free Sweetleaf nutrients just for signing up. Sweetleaf provides all the tools necessary for the modern gardener. Check them out at sweetleaf.com and remember the code DANKO15. All right, everybody, welcome back. Uh, I want to thank uh, DJ Jacques and Winstrong. I want to thank our guest, Steve D'Angelo. Uh, I want to thank you guys, of course, for listening. Uh, and certainly our sponsors, uh, Seeds Here Now. Remember the code there is Danko Ship for free shipping on all your seeds that you purchase. Uh, Sweet Leaf Nutrients, six months. Uh, Danko 15 is the code for 15% off. And you can get uh, even more 20% or up to 25% if you join Patreon. Uh, Excelsior Extracts, uh, always sending love to the, to uh, our friends at Excelsior. 
their THC infused pain relief rub. Check them out on Instagram. Prime Superior Inoculant. The code there is PS420 for 15% off. Um, and they also, you know, offer some samples. If you're not fully committed to, to the to a whole bottle, you can get a sample bottle there. Um, and Purple Rose Supply. These are the Canagar molds, uh, a blunt roller that can help you roll blunts of all different sizes um, with your cannabis leaves as the, uh, you know, Canagar uh, wrapping. Uh, and the code there is GBY20 for 20% off. Um, so thanks, you guys. Thanks for listening. This is episode number 123. We'll be back with 124 in the very near future. Uh, thanks, Mike. Thank uh, again. Thanks, Steve D'Angelo, because uh, it's just great to have him spend some time with us. A uh, little extra extended interview with him. And uh, we'll be back next time. Let's put this one in the books. Mm-hmm.